welcome to Thought Garden with my new tagline, where ideas are planted. So thank you to the amazing people on LinkedIn for voting for that one. It probably was my favourite, but I only came up with it the morning I did the poll. So I'm pretty chuffed at the uh, ad hoc in the moment thinking there. I'm really, really, really chuffed actually today that I have a new guest and a very exciting guest actually. We've been connected for quite some time, but I've never actually had a chance to actually properly speak with her. This is Rebecca Pay. She is a CV guru, a self-confessed hoop and pole fan. We'll talk more about that later. Definitely an ice cream advocate and an all-round good egg with a book on its way. So welcome, Rebecca. It's lovely, lovely to see you here or hear you here. Um, out of all that, what are you most excited about right now? Yeah, that's quite a list, isn't it? Um, probably right this second about Hoop, because I've got a photo shoot coming up on Sunday, which will have obviously happened by the time this comes out. But um, I've, I've been practicing loads um, and training really hard to get like the best shots possible and some really tricky moves. Um, so aerial hoop for anyone who doesn't know is like one of those hoops that kind of hangs down from the ceiling I've seen some of your of photos hang looks... off of it in crazy ways and you have it to looks be hard. quite strong yeah <laughs> yeah it's really good though it's really really good fun I don't like it when it spins so much that's not my thing spinning but I love being upside down how so. did you get into that um I started pole about four years ago um I I my friend was doing pole before me and um, booked like a party for my 40th as a surprise, a pole dancing party, which was brilliant, by the way. Um, and so, yeah, what better time to start than when you turn 40? Stop pole dancing. <laughs> <laughs> is it one of those things that you sort of start for a bit of a giggle and then think, actually, this is really great for strength and fitness and subtlety, and supple, suppleness, not subtlety, suppleness. And yeah. Is, yeah, is that... absolutely. I mean, it's it, for me, like I've, done the gym on and off over the years and a bit of running and stuff but I'm not a sporty person at all I've never done gymnastics dancing none of those things um I've never been any good at any sport because I can't throw or catch a ball etc um so it was for me amazing to find something that I could do that actually really interested me because it's fun it's a great community of people um and also there's always something new to learn so every week you're doing different moves and things and there's always like different areas you can work on so whereas the gym can get a bit samey and boring you're always doing the kind of same stuff it feels like you're really progressing with pole and obviously that led on to hoop naturally a lot of people do both um because I started hoop only about two or three months ago um and I've already moved up like to the improver level um because I already had the base strength there so yeah. obviously I had to learn some of the techniques but it's been like a little jump start because I used to do pole but yeah I mean, I'd recommend either to anyone people yeah. worry about oh I'm, you know, I'm not the right size etc um but you can, yeah there's all sorts of shapes and sizes of people that go in levels of fitness and people don't start being able to lift themselves up and be strong when you start you know most of us are a bit rubbish so like, <laughs> you know I couldn't do anything when I started out so terrible at pole swing um, around the bottom of it a bit and hope for the best yeah and it, it took me a long time to you know to get good at it so <clears throat> it's definitely worth trying and it's it's just a bit more interesting than like going on a treadmill or whatever yeah and I, think I mean there's a little bit of a challenge of, of places that are available that do it they're still not yeah it's a lot more common as gyms and things aren't they? yeah it's a lot more common than it used to be though yeah. so it's worth having a look to see if you've got anything local that does it but I mean after the shoot um the week after is obviously my book launch on the 17th so that's super exciting <laughs> And that's, that's actually a lot of work I wanted, for it. genuinely wanted to ask you about the book because I think there's an awful lot of people 
I think it's in our nature to kind of want to share our stories or want to share something in, in writing. And there's an awful lot of people I think I talk to like, oh, I'd love to write a book, but I don't think I could. Or they kind of um, poo-poo the idea before they've even entertained it in some ways. Um, so what what inspired you to want to get these things down in, in print effectively to, to get this out? Yeah, well, my book's called How to Get the Kick-Ass um, Career Deserve. Um, and it's basically a summary of all the stuff I know. <laughs> about like cv writing about using linkedin about getting the right mindset for the right job and how to get the confidence for it and how to kind of plan a career change or a step up um in a job because i've worked with quite a lot of clients now like hundreds of clients over the last few years with their cvs and changing jobs and i've seen so many people come and go and and i, I kind of know the stuff that works um mm -hmm. and you know there's there's different ways of doing all these types of things but the ways you know the way I do CVs and stuff works for people so I thought it was a good way of sharing that knowledge um, I worked with a business coach for a while and it was his idea really he was like why don't you do a book I was like what I can't do a book and he's like well you can can't you because you're a really good writer because I do like sort of copywriting as well as CV writing so, so clearly you could easily do a book and I was like I haven't got time for that <laughs> so he really helped me plan out how to do it and structure it and do it in a way that it was kind of it was planned so well when I sat down to actually do the writing it was quite easy gotcha yeah um, and so yeah it's one of those things that I think most people could do it <laughs> I think that's it isn't it it's, it's 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 accessible but at the same time there seems to be some sort of blocker in a lot of people that they just don't want to take that leap almost or put themselves out there um, yeah it feels like where do you start thing, isn't, it? isn't it it's like yeah. where do you start with it but I mean my idea was like I obviously had the themes and stuff and then I started by planning out 10 chapters of what I'd have and then I planned 10 subheadings for each chapter um so I knew which each what each chapter was going to cover before I even sat down to write yeah and I think that's a really good way of doing it so you know exactly what's what's coming you know yeah. what you've got to do <laughs> and what problems. you're thinking about rather than just writing it and seeing where it goes because then yeah. you, you know going off on random tangents and whatever I think it's it's a much better way to do it but I mean that worked for me obviously other people I'm sure have other methods of writing books but um it definitely wouldn't put me off writing one again either um oh so there might be a is there a sequel in the offing <laughs> there, there definitely will be I think at some point well, I don't know what it'll be about yet but Poland and hoop maybe there you go <laughs> No, I love it. It's um, I, th I think that lifting the veil actually on the writing process and making it accessible is is such a, an, an inspirational thing to do. And it's, I mean, the fact that you can talk about it as well and help people think actually what's what's possible there. And then I, it's a big part of what you do, isn't it? Help people recognize what is possible for them in terms of their own careers, their own moves to. And there's something cathartic, I suppose, about you know having your CV looked at and supported and helped do you find that when you're helping people with cvs and things that they recognize and celebrate things about themselves that they've kind of forgotten to celebrate yeah that's exactly what happens really and i think that's where the process is so much more than the cv um obviously there's some people that kind of just need a spruce up of their cv to apply for one job and they get that done and they all go off get the job that's it easy but obviously there's a lot of people especially the clients that I work a bit more in depth with that we have like you know chats about it and we talk about their skills and their leadership qualities and the different things they've done and they get talking about their favorite job that they have ever had and things and they actually think oh actually yeah I know and now I realize what I'm good at and 
what I'm what I really want to do as well because I think it's not just what you're really good at but you recognize start recognizing the things you're looking for like mm. do you want what kind of culture are you looking for like what jobs didn't you enjoy and why and why was your favorite job your favorite job because it's not always just because you enjoyed the sort of day-to-day work it's often more the environment you were working in the people you were with how much autonomy you had and you know it's mm. often not anything to do with the salary either no Obviously we all have bills to pay it's a factor but it, the other things that that make it more satisfying in a role you know are often those like things that people kind of forget or don't they just don't take a step back to think about any of these things like you no, don't take a step back very often and look back at your whole career and go where have I come from what am I doing no we don't we don't do that sort of um everyone's inventory. too busy <laughs> yeah this is, we don't inventory our own stuff do we? we don't sit there and do a little audit on ourselves and say right what have I done in my life what have I done so far and I did it recently just for myself because I was trying to pull together a bio for something and and somebody said wow well, that's that's an amazing bio I'm like really I, you just don't in your own mind you get so stuck in your own head like well I do this and this Oh, but in the past, I've been that and I've learned that and I've qualified in that. And oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I did do that. And you suddenly kind of have this great long list of stuff. And it almost looks like a stranger until you remember it was you that did it. Yeah, it is or weird. It, or, I yeah. think we're so often so in the present or worrying about the future or something that you kind of forget where you've come from. And it's not that you want to dwell in the past, but it's good to celebrate those things and recognize the journey you've been on. Because I know with me, I've done loads and loads of different jobs, which can be like, seen as a negative thing but actually obviously what I do is perfect because it means I've had loads of life experience you know I've been homeless I've done loads you know I've had loads of different experiences that people might not expect Um, it's what you've taken from those experiences isn't it that helps me be a better um like a person and like cv writer and stuff and it means I'm able to relate to different people no I love it I do love it so I think I just again kind of looking at that it's amazing what resources people have, isn't it? When they start looking at that really objectively and looking at themselves on paper. Um, because I don't know, just, just I flashback to, I mean, I've sifted through a million, I've got an HR background. Um, so I've sifted through a million CVs in my past and, and some of them have been dreadful. I would have absolutely longed for, I've seen your template and I would have absolutely loved to have any of them come in on your template because it's so easy to follow and use and look at and go okay as a recruiter this is exactly the sorts of things I want to see and there's that bit of personality as well with the the kind of extra bits at the bottom but the the amount that have come through was one lady that listed pretty much every country she'd ever traveled to and the fact that she'd won some money on the pools and all the score draws that went into the win that she had on the pools if you remember when they used to do the pools (laughs) and that was on her cv and it was four pages long (laughs) and they're just like so what you do is definitely needed yeah I mean the record one I think was 13 pages and that was an engineer but engineers are classic for that because they're so detail orientated usually they find it really hard to um, cut things out and so they don't understand they don't need to know everything you did when you were an apprentice or whatever like fine put you were an apprentice that's nice to know as part of your journey but we don't need to know any of the details of it because it's not going to be relevant to what you're doing now as like you know head of people with their gcse's relevant... on when they're yeah. ceos and stuff it's like what's yeah. happening here yeah what do you want to put across versus what do the recruiters actually need yeah definitely i you? mean my template is <laughs> is is simple 
And so some people are probably like surprised how simple it is because they're like, oh, you know, records kick off, CV templates be good. And it's free. It's free because you can get it from my website now because the book launch, um, which is, I might as well just plug it. It's payforprecision.com. So it's fairly easy as long as you can um, spell precision. Um, and yeah, you can get it for free, but it's, it's, it is really simple, but that's the whole point. Yeah. Like it needs to be simple because you want it simple so you can update it and adapt it yourself anyway. Um, and it doesn't need to be complicated. Like the content is what should be standing out, not the fact that you've got like a fancy border or you're putting your photo on or all these other like, you know, gimmicky things that you might see or want to do. Like obviously if you're a graphic designer, then you yeah, want to show like off, to, then that's yeah. different and you apply <laughs> direct to someone. It might do. But for the average person, there's just no way you need any of that. Isn't that quite a European sort of continental thing to have photos? Yeah, I mean, it's not very British. No, UK and US um, definitely don't want photos, basically. You know, Mm. with all the anti-discrimination laws and stuff, it's really important not to have one, to be honest, because, you know, it causes unconscious bias and whatever in it. You could accuse them of discrimination if you send your photo and then you don't get picked. And they don't want to see your photo. They don't want to know your date of birth. They don't want to know any of that stuff. So just don't bother putting it on. Whereas other countries, they want that. So obviously you just have to be careful about where you're applying to and check what the local like expectation is. You know, even somewhere like Germany, which we'd say is probably similar to us in many ways, um, they love loads of personal information, like if you're married all that stuff on there and date of birth and everything it's really interesting um and then yes some other countries do as well and it's just it varies you know across europe and across the world so it's it's good to make sure you know what they need like Uh, you can't have one cv for every country it just won't work basically i've always wanted to see a day where the cvs came in with no name on just a number because even with a name you can you can make an assumption of course and some people actually really struggle there's been posts about it i've seen when obviously someone's got an obviously foreign in inverted commas name um and they've really struggled to get jobs and when they've changed it to like john or whatever they then get interview offers and it's like that's not right is it that's awful um and i'm sure so many people would well pretty much no one would ever admit to that making that decision being like oh i'm not going to pick them but it's like almost like an unconscious bias that so many people have but it's true yeah, because I, I think people have tested that on purpose, haven't they? Yeah. Just to just to kind of show up a company because they suspected it was happening. Yeah. Then went it's and did disgusting. it again. Put I mean, two identical applications in, and the only difference was the name. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you could argue, you know, you could you can argue to be in phase like you wouldn't want to work for somewhere like that anyway. That's got that attitude. No, um, absolutely. And you wouldn't, of course. But if when it happens too much, then that's not fair because then you're missing out on opportunities and. And also there needs to be a change. It's not acceptable to just say, well, I don't want to work for those places anyway. It shouldn't be happening. <laughs> well, no, you know, and quite often not... this is the thing. Change doesn't always happen until some brave soul does actually call someone out on their BS. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... It's the same if you've got a disability. It's an absolute yeah. nightmare trying to get yeah. a role. Like if you you know, admit to you've got any kind of disability or whatever, or it becomes obvious when you go for the injury or whatever. Like just, yeah. you know, people are immediately like thrown off. Well, I used to work for a council um and because of the way councils um employ people um you get a much 
bigger like range of diversity and stuff because they can't not employ people for you know those sort of reasons it's a very tick boxy type of thing so as long as you answer a certain question you'll get through sort of thing but it's good because it meant like we work with this guy that was you know in a wheelchair really quite disabled in some ways but he was you know really bright guy and did loads of really like great work um and yeah it just meant that you, you you do end up working with a bigger range of people which is really important like it's important to realize that people have got value just because they can't walk or whatever or can't see or can't hear doesn't mean um they can't be really valuable to a business that's um, it isn't it think about it differently yeah i'm just thinking about there's much more um it's starting to build i think more acceptance of different disabilities and also different diversity measures if you want to call them measures i don't think measures is the right word but even around neurodiversity um, yeah, absolutely. You know, those that are on the autism spectrum or those with different levels of um, dyspraxia or, or dyslexia, you know, ultimately it's becoming much more open as a conversation for organizations to see the value in these, these, and they're not conditions, are they, but these, these, these ways of being that are of value. There are strengths that come with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I've worked at quite a lot of my clients. I mean, I'm, undiagnosed anything but I'm pretty neurodiverse myself to be fair and my daughter's um diagnosed as um with ASD autistic so she you know she does really well at school is bright and you, most people wouldn't even know kind of thing but obviously I know because I know really very well um and similar to me in a way you wouldn't you know necessarily think anything but you know some of the stuff I think can do is like a little bit different to the average person <laughs> probably but there's obviously massive advantages to that um you know and I could you know think about things in a different way to other people but I found because I've been quite open talking about all of that on social media especially about my daughter and her diagnosis I've had quite a lot of clients who are neurodiverse themselves you know quite a lot of clients have got autism or ADHD and you know any kind of various variants of those things and you know obviously dyslexia and dyspraxia and those things as well um and it's really good because it's like i love working with those people anyway um you know i find it easier to get on with those people quite a lot of the time and they like it because then they know that they're talking to someone that's not you know that understands and gets them or whatever and it's not going to cause any issues i mean there's a lot of really good tools as well now for things like if you, you know with dyslexia and things like that there's so many more tools now that people can use um to help them at work um you know being able to do like you know when you read stuff out and it di- you know the dictation tools and stuff oh that's getting voice so recognition is so much better like the software is a million times better you know even in the last year it's improved it's- oh, i've been playing with otter recently oh, uh, otter's just, good, just yeah. for voice notes just for while i'm out walking and having thoughts that i think oh, i must write that down of course then i never do and then i forget it and then it's gone so i got otter on my phone just so i can talk into my phone and and then have it ready but the amount of corrections I have to do are tiny yeah otter's Absolutely very good tiny. actually I yeah really good. impressive I did some of my book on otter actually <laughs> I don't blame you I was, you, I was right? walking along and I I knew like what I was wanting to say for the chapter so I just did like a, a few of them on otter because it was just easier I'm not the world's best typist so well, that's a good thing good trick to have though isn't it is that you can also you can capture it in the moment before it kind of gets stale because if you're having to write it down you almost start editing while you're writing don't you and that's yeah exactly yeah kind of start correcting yourself because you're seeing it in actual print whereas actually you can just talk even if when you go to actually you know check it later you go I wouldn't say it like that in the book but actually why wouldn't you why wouldn't you make it more like a spoken 
That's yeah, good point. Actually. How did you go with your style in your book? Yeah, the feedback I got, I've had because I had um, some sort of beta readers uh, read it first and give me some feedback um, before I kind of got it all finished. Um, and the feedback I had from someone actually, um, a friend in America who read it, was like, it's like listening. It's like you're sort of talking to a friend or whatever, or having coaching from a friend when you read it. Cause it's a very personable style. Like I've written it the way I talk, really. Um, so there is a little bit of swearing in there, which I'm not swearing on your podcast, Rachel. But the, you know, I do. Gen- like you know, not every other word, but you know, in my normal speech, I would um, occasionally swear. It's not super bad. It's like the um, odd word or whatever. But just because it's you know relevant or needed in that sentence, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a warning about it on the book. But um, I know it's not you know it's not for everyone. But it's basically a really natural way of like talking. You know, so when you read it, I think it's quite easy to read, and not, mm. you know it's quite enjoyable to read hopefully as well I applaud that I genuinely do because I think there's too many I think people will write in a in a voice as if they're writing from themselves but then actually when you read it you don't read it in their voice because it it isn't written in their voice it doesn't sound like them it doesn't and I can imagine you know if if I ever got an email from you or I read your book now that I've heard your voice as well I'm going to have that in my head while I'm reading you So here we go. I've got Rebecca in my head. Great. <laughs> I think it's the best way to be, though. Like, if you're writing so. content online, anything like that, if you could do it in your own voice, yeah, that's the yeah. best thing. I mean, I've written content for other people, um, and some, you know, I've written some LinkedIn content for a few clients. And the trick to that, you know, to be able to write someone else's voice is obviously a different skill entirely. But it's really important to to write it in your you know in a sort of personal style it's so much easier to read you know if you're quite a formal person then fine write it in a formal way but don't feel you have to write in a formal way if that's not how you normally talk yeah. I mean, it's not very relatable and it's it comes yeah. across sort of weird and disingenuous and it's just not as good it's not as good well, also, yeah if your audience is expecting one thing or one style and then you're suddenly really different really formal and professional in inverted commas because I think that's a very dangerously overused word um <laughs> the professional as in kind of gray suit professional I mean that's not you is it that's totally not you so no precisely why wouldn't you do it in a, in a, in a more personable way that is accessible and likable and yeah much more fun to read I would imagine oh with yeah, the sweat I don't dislike them <laughs> <coughs> excuse me my slight froggy throat today uh hashtag not covid um so just take me through, you talked about these chapters um, and this is a bit of a plug for your book because I think we should plug your book and celebrate it. And um, this is Thought Garden. There is a thing about ideas here. So um, I, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But just take us through top line. What's in your book? I mean, obviously there's some CV and LinkedIn guidance, but you talked about a couple of other things in there. What's, what's in it that I wouldn't expect to see? What, what would surprise me about your book? Um, I think it's, I mean, there's quite, there's obviously the in-depth kind of going through CVs and how to write one. And there is like, it's quite a mix of like really practical, like advice that, you you know, you can actually put into practice. Like this is how you should structure your CV kind of stuff. Because I think that's good. I think it's good to have that. I think, you know, people want the actual practical advice sometimes and just be told how to put it together. Um, But also it then goes on to talk about how to like tailor it and stuff, but it's how to use LinkedIn um, as part of the job search. Um, and then it's also about how you might find other ways to do it. So like following up with people, finding people on LinkedIn that are decision makers, um, maybe how you could approach those people. 
you know, what are good ways to build rapport, um, it, all those sort of things. And, and then also I really do cover about mindset as well and like getting your kind of mind in the right place. Because if, for example, you're um, making a big change in your career and, you know, the whole book kind of starts with like, what do you actually want to do? Like, let's mm. work that out. <laughs> um, once you've decided it might be something very different to what you're doing now mm. and that's fine. And you can put together a kind of plan of how to get there. But that's going to take quite a lot of like a mindset kind of shift to kind of deal with the change. Because obviously dealing with change is quite a big thing to do. Like most of us don't like it. Um, and it's, you know, we're human. We get a bit comfort and we like our comfort zone and we don't want to make big changes. And it's going to be like a bit scary. And if you're applying for roles that you haven't got quite the right experience, you've got to try and convince them or whatever. And, you know, try and show them that you've got all these transferable skills and stuff. That's going to be hard work. And you're probably going to get some knockbacks. Like you might get lucky straight off like some people do, but it might take some time and you're going to have to deal with rejections. And it's about how to kind of deal with that as well. Um, And also how to kind of deal with the people around you. And some may or may not be supportive because some people don't like it when you make changes for yourself you know, hopefully the best friends in the world will be really supportive and have your back. But we all know there's those people, if you start being successful online or you do something a bit different or maybe you lose weight or whatever it is, there's always a few people who are a bit like basically jealous, but they, yeah, I was just about I mean? to say come out with yeah negative kind of comments or whatever. And it kind of drag you down and, oh, you can't do that. Or what are you doing? And and that can be hard. So part of the it book can. is the kind of, is yeah. of like how to deal with that and how to kind of focus on what your goals are, because it's your life. At the end of the day, you're the one that has to live this life. If you do something for everyone else, when you look back when you're old and you think, oh, if only I'd gone for that job that I really wanted to do, if only I'd gone to like, I don't know, travel around in my camper van and done remote working for a year when I really wanted to or whatever it is, like everyone's got completely different ideals. Um, you don't want to regret that stuff. Whereas no. if you give it a go, yeah, it might not work out, but at least you know you tried. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, that's, it sounds jam-packed, and I love that, because I think you've, you've not yeah, just... Yeah, really cover quite a lot of ground, to be fair. Well, yeah, I, that's for a first book. I mean, you could have split that across two books, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so no wonder you're like, oh, what should I do the second one? Um, but ultimately, I think you're, that's such a key part, isn't it, of, of this, this transformation you have when you... It's not just a CV, is it? This isn't just a, you know, this is this is your life. This is your next phase, your next chapter, your next thing, or your next adventure or the start of a new adventure. Ultimately, it's it's a way marker along along that journey. Yeah, well, isn't think it? how many hours you spend working. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Like, you know, probably over a hundred thousand hours working. I think I was in the book, like over a lifetime if you work, you know, average. We well, spend sometimes more you know time with your workmates and you do with your family don't you yeah so if it's something you don't like or it's boring or it's just not lighting your fire or whatever then you know you need to look at making a change but we all go through phases where you might have had to do a job just to pay the bills and you can't always be in a perfect job of course but ultimately if you can make a plan to get to that job you really want and I mean that's such a big thing like it's such a yeah huge impact on the rest of your life because if you're happier at work you're probably gonna be happier out of work I, mean, I think there's person. that whole you're right I just I think you know that whole when you kind of find that I whether it's about to do with purpose and, and meaning yeah, and, and what you're doing yeah. is congruent with who you are 
And that's that's a really powerful thing, is it? When you find something that really ticks your values and really ticks. Yeah, your- there's a chapter on that. It's about you know like finding something that matches your value. What are your values? And then you know working out what kind of roles are going to work with that, and no, finding businesses that you know kind of align with your your kind of business you know your work and life ethos kind of like your approach to things well, I was going to ask you for a top tip to give our, our listeners but I think there's there's a load there that you've just, <laughs> you've just rattled <laughs> off too much yeah <laughs> do still go and buy the book because seriously <laughs> I'm sure there's way more in than we managed to talk about um, it's, it's not too many spoilers eh? <laughs> but yeah so if you if you had to pick one like really top tip or classic mistake that 99.9% of people make on their CV what would it be um uh, I guess I'll go with people are too scared to put their personality on so I would say don't be try and make it less generic and more you so have you read that you know that initial kind of opening profile that you should have like a hundred or so words make sure it sounds like you this doesn't just sound like anyone that does your job it should be platitude of works well in a team or alone exactly it needs to sound like you yeah sure you know include the skills and experience and stuff but make sure you and you know don't be scared to use some different words I called one of my clients a dynamo in a a CV the other day which she is it totally is but like like yeah just just think of the words that suit you as a person the thesaurus right (laughs) the thesaurus is your friend thesaurus is your friend I like that I do like that so um, we're coming, I think, to uh, probably about time. I do tend to run to about half an hour. So thank you so much. It's been fantastic to hear about this. I do think this is a very, very exciting thing to be hitting the publications. I take it it's going to be what, Amazon? Or... It will be on Amazon, yeah. I think I'll probably have some available as well from me. But yeah, Amazon primarily, I think. So um, how can folks if they are interested in your actual cv services and your support services how can they get hold of you beyond the website which i know is uh, pay for precision if you're googling that one but how else can people get hold of you um the best place is linkedin usually i'm obviously i'm on instagram twitter and facebook as well but look for rebecca pay and find someone holding an ice cream then that's me can't miss you that's really good <laughs> and the launch is on the 17th it's a sunday the 17th at eight o'clock that's a um, zoomy thing isn't it yeah, well there's an event so i think i'm gonna go live on linkedin and uh oh linkedin live brilliant yeah that's really cool that's really cool so a glass of champagne and a, hey this is my book and actual copy to hold up exactly yeah that's Thanks, the idea fingers crossed that's your <laughs> have they arrived we've actually got oh yeah no okay. i'm waiting I've, it, it's a lot of waiting on other people to do things with books oh, it's quite scary yeah. yeah so did you um did you self-publish or is it, have you got a publisher yeah i'm self-publishing but i've got some like help and stuff i mean i'm a, a trained proofreader but i had an editor and proofreader look at it as well because you know you can't proofread your own work well no that is because you're so in it aren't you you kind of yeah you get um almost word blind don't you after a while you just can't see things after a while yeah okay um so one last thing that we always do with thought garden is to leave our listeners with a thought something they can think about and ponder as they go about their day or go for a walk after this or if they're listening to this um on a train or something hopefully not um you know a bit distracted from driving or anything like that but if they are safely listening to this somewhere and want to ponder something different a thought that we are planting today what would you like to leave them with today um so I would go with thinking about what your ideal role is and like if you're in something that's quite close to it maybe think of is there anything that you could make it even better 
because mm-hmm. like you know think about if there's something about you that you want to make a difference in some way what is that and what how could you do that like you know with the skills you've got because people tend to pigeonhole themselves a bit too much I think so yeah we get comfortable don't we we get sort of stuck in a nice safe job and we maybe think the only option is to leave and go somewhere else but sometimes actually it's just to to have a look at where you are because sometimes you can make little changes can't you yeah and making a difference doesn't necessarily mean going to work for a charity or whatever it might do but it might just be a business that I yeah. don't know, has a really good diverse recruitment policy or it gives money back to the community or whatever it is. So credentials, all that kind of stuff. About those little things that you can change to make a difference. Thank you. This has been really great. And I wish you absolutely all the best with the book. I think it's going to be brilliant and very much what the world needs right now um, and what people in the jobs market need right now. And recruiters, they also need this because they want to see quality CVs coming through. We don't want the dross. We don't want to be trolling through. <laughs> when I say we, I'm not one of them anymore. But uh, when I was in that space, we didn't want the five pages or the 13 pages. Um, we don't need <laughs> to know. not. Uh, lottery win you've had of three pound fifty four weeks ago or all the countries you've ever visited unless it's relevant to your job so <laughs> thank you for clarifying what's in that book it sounds packed frankly I, I i'm i'm super impressed i had no idea it was i knew you had some extra stuff in there beyond the cvs but i had no idea it was quite that diverse that's fantastic so thank you for listening to thought garden um if you like this i think there's a subscribe button somewhere depending on where you're listening um, otherwise, let me know what you think and do go follow Rebecca Pay on LinkedIn or find her on any of the social channels she's mentioned or go to her website and download that CV template. And I don't know, maybe even sign up to have a watch of the launch on LinkedIn Live if we can make that work. Um, thank you very much for listening. And I will hopefully be putting out another one in about a month's time. Take care. 